Reduce anxiety with Celtic learning by heart. Reduce anxiety with the Celtic practice of walking the rounds. How to relieve anxiety with Celtic moment blessing. How to relieve anxiety with Celtic thresholding. Alter your mental health. Relieve anxiety and depression by rediscovering the past. Wow, I've been throwing a lot at you over the last couple of months. All these Celtic practices that I hope individually or combined will provide some natural relief to your anxiety and depression. But you say, Mike, how am I supposed to do all of these practices that you've shared? Well, the truth is you probably can't. But let's see how you can integrate some into your life. Hey fellow skeptics and friends alike, Mike Guineri here. Welcome to A Skeptic's Journey. I hope you enjoyed last week's interview with Dara Malloy. It was a great interview. If you haven't already watched it, I recommend you check it out. The video link is up in the corner. I have two more great interviews upcoming in April, but the guests will be announced at a later date. Oh, the suspense. So. I get that I've been laying on Celtic practice after practice and encouraging you to test them out like I have been. But but look, I, I know it's impossible not to test everything out. There's just not enough time in the day. The ones I've presented to you are the ones that I have flagged to test out for myself. The ones that seem to me to be the most promising to have some sort of positive effect on anxiety and depression. Um, so when, when you're looking at the practices I presented, you can selectively pick which one or two resonate with you to try, or you can pick none and just follow along to see my results. Either way is fine. That being said, one of the books I'm currently reading is called To Walk a Pagan Path, Practical Spirituality for Every Day by Alaric Albertson. So I haven't really done too much work yet looking into paganism and probably won't for a while. My current focus has really been the Celts, but the fact is, the Celts were pagans. So for all intents and purposes, in my mind, the title of this book could easily replace pagan with spiritual. What I find interesting about the book is his seven-step program for bringing spirituality into your life, which is located in chapter one. Some aspects he mentions echo things that I have been advocating, while others I disagree with. It's just a difference of opinion, and I'm no expert either. I just look at it and say, I don't think that makes sense. But overall, I find his simple guide a user-friendly way to start bringing spirituality into your life. And I've given you so many different practices to try, and you know, you need a way to kind of bring them into your life. And this is what I'm hoping today's video will help you do. So what I like that um, Alarak does is that he points out that the spiritual practices of the old time pagans were merely passed down from one generation to the next. What they did and how they did it wasn't necessarily um, prescriptive, but it, it was limited to what they knew. They did what the generation before them did and what the generation before that did. Whereas today's pagan, a spiritual person, 
embarks on their spiritual journey with intention. With intention, and that's the key. It's each individual's decision how they want to integrate their spirituality into their lives. When they do it, why they do it, and how they do it. So Alaric, the author of this book I've been talking about, is actually a Saxon pagan. That's one that I haven't really uh, heard, heard too much about. But in any event, um, he uses a Saxon term. And forgive my mispronunciation, I looked around online and I could not find it. Um, it's called Hal Sidu, which means healthy or holistic traditions. Alarak interprets this to mean the integration of body, mind, and spirit. Sounds pretty good to me. And what I like is um, that everything Alarak explains or gives examples of can be customized as each person sees fit. Customized spirituality. So before starting on a seven-step guide, Alarak suggests formally committing yourself to this program to develop your spirituality. He suggests this is an important step to take because it makes it official, um, which means more to you. His example is to use a candle and an offering and say a few words of commitment that you feel comfortable with to dedicate yourself to your spiritual journey, whatever that ends up being. Um, you know, and that can take many different forms and be as little as you just sitting at your desk and taking a few deep breaths and say, hey, I commit to this or, you know, doing some sort of formal ceremony. It's totally up to you because it's your spirituality. So I want to take a look at with you, um, Mr. Albertson's seven steps to integrating um, spirituality into your life. His step one is to connect with spirit. Well, to start off on a kind of odd uh, beginning, Alarak's very first step I mostly disagree with and would modify it significantly to better suit me. He says to connect with the... He says that to connect with the spirit or with spirit you have to reach out to a god or spirit of a particular pantheon. For example, Irish, Saxons, Greek, Norse, they all have pantheons of different gods or deities. Um, so he says you have to pick a pantheon and then pick a god from your selected pantheon. Well, my jury is uh, still way out um, on the whole question of um, different pagan gods. Nothing has convinced me yet that these gods, as presented, exist in anything more than mythology. I'm open to the fact they might exist, but I have seen no evidence of it yet or no realistic reason to believe it as such. But I'm going to keep having an open mind going through this on my journey, and I advise you to do so as well. So, last week in my interview um, as with Dara Malloy, as, I, uh, as he put it, he said that various gods represent the absolute best and worst in human beings. And that makes a lot of sense to me. The stories of the gods are not there to tell us what to do, but to provide a roadmap and the tools for us to figure it out ourselves. Because we can identify with the gods because they do have human characteristics, human successes and human failings. Um, and I really think this uh, mythology of the gods, that's what it's there for. Um, and it's so important to bring forward 
um, over the times for us to be able to utilize it. So Alaric also mentions reaching out to ancestral spirits and local spirits. Look, I'm learning to be spiritual myself right now. I am no expert, um, but you can't be spiritual without having some sort of faith or belief in spirit or spirits or something spiritual, some sort of divine presence. And, you know, once again, this is just my personal opinion at this point. It's nothing more. Feel free to disagree with me. Um, just know that when I give my opinions, I am doing some sort of work. I'm not just, you know, making things up on the fly. Um, I, as usual, I put analysis and a skeptic's eye to everything I uh, do and say. Over the last several weeks, one thing I have repeatedly communicated to you is that part of Celtic spirituality, or even spirituality in general, is the idea of being in the moment and available to receive that which you might not otherwise be able to. Now, having that clarity of mind, not worrying about what you just did or what you have to do or three months from now, just being in the moment, living that moment and being open to what might come your way. Probably sounds familiar of me repeating myself, but there it is. Um, so in my mind, you know, one should be patient and receptive during times of spirituality. I think by doing this, any God, spirit, or entity that may possibly communicate with you would do it at that, that at that time. You know, I don't think there's any reason to quote unquote like approach a God, but that's just me. Also, as part of this first step of connecting with Spirit, Alaric says that you should at least have a basic setup of a candle and an offering to whomever you wish to communicate with. I think candles are great for a lot of different reasons. Um, they've been used out through history for purposes, practical, religious, spiritual, and secular. So I, I say go for it. Um, you know, I just, I think I get a lot of benefit out of candles personally. Um, that's just me. And, you know, some, pla some places you can't light candles or incense or whatever. But, you know, take that and apply it to your own situation as, you know, as it fits. Um, as far as offerings go, I, I feel it's a personal choice. Um, offering to spirits or to ancestors or the like. This is actually something that's been around in different cultures all over the world for thousands of years. It's, you know, it's nothing new. Maybe the first time you do it or see it, it seems a bit strange um, to be offering a spirit or a ghost food. Um, you know, but I've heard it described as, as feeding these spirits. They're taking the spirit of the food and, and eating it. You know, I don't know. Who, who knows? But, you know, this is definitely um, a means of communication with potential spirits or spirituality that definitely has been done for a long time. So it might be worth something to consider or try at least once. Um, so, you know, as usual, do what works for you. And it has to work for you. Don't do it because it works for me or because someone else says it works for them. You have to do what works for you. And I, I really also just want to point out again that Alaric is merely presenting in his books concept and ideas and how he does things. He presents nothing in a prescriptive way, like this must be done this way or else it won't work. You know, nothing like that. He goes out of his way to state that each person should adjust to make the spirituality practice their own. 
He just giving, talking about the idea, telling you how he does it, gives a few other examples, and puts you on your way to, to do what you need to do to figure it out for yourself. So I really like that about this book, that um, it's not telling you what you must do and how you must do it. So that was a long first step, wasn't it? So step two, to bringing spirituality into your life, according to Alaric, is to create a sacred space. Um, as a best practice, he suggests having an altar space in your house. This was the be the place that you would do your spirituality work at. And I think this is a great idea. And even if you only have the altar set up temporarily, the act of building it and using it for however long will be ingrained in you. You may want to check out my video about my altar construction. Link is up in the corner. Honestly, my altar was set up for about a month and then taken down for the holidays. And then it was up for about another two weeks before it came down. Right now, my altar is lovingly stored in a box waiting for its next chance to be on display. But that doesn't mean I don't have an altar or a sacred space. As Philip Cargom pointed out to me when I spoke to him in December, sacred spaces can be in your mind. And it's very easily done. Most anything can be done in your mind. You can find my conversation with uh, Philip up here. And Philip is exactly correct. I built my altar. I used my altar. I can now see in my mind's eye every facet of my altar. I can remember the feeling I had sitting at it, the smells, the sensations. Sometimes I can even, I even feel like I'm smelling the burning turf incense. So I can be at my sacred space for my spiritual work from anywhere just by closing my eyes and going there. And that's a fantastic thing. So don't ever think that you can't have an altar um, because you don't have the space or you worry what people might think. It's always doable. There are always solutions. And in that video I previously uh, linked, I talk about why I have the altar and what I use it for and why I think it's important. So that was step two in the seven-step process to integrate spirituality into your life. Step three go along with creating your sacred space is creating a sacred time, a sacred time to do your spirituality work. And to me, this makes so, so much sense. Um, this might be the single most important thing that um, Mr. Albertson presents in his seven steps. And why I like what he says so much is because he says to focus on creating a realistic minimal time. Let me say that again. Set a realistic minimal time. Because this is a trap we all fall into. We allocate too much time to a task, a hobby, a calling, whatever it might be that we are allocating time to. And then we realize we don't have enough time on a given day to do what we had planned. So what do we do? We don't do it at all. And day after day, things like that happen. Because look, most people I find, including myself, we prioritize other people and everything else above ourselves. So even though meditating or going to my sacred place to mentally walk the rounds or something like that is very important 
and that and is a big part of a d the day. You know, it's a very important thing. I might skip it because I say, well, you know, I don't have the time to do this every day and I have to get X, Y, and Z done for, for something else. And I put it off and then I don't do it. And it just snowballs and next thing you know, you're out of your habit. You're out of your practice. You're out of your spirituality um, integration into your life. And I am very guilty of doing things like this myself. So Alaric suggests setting a minimum time of 15 minutes a week. And that's reasonable because we can all find 15 minutes somewhere along the seven days of the week. And it's not 15 minutes a day, remember, it's 15 minutes a week. So if you set aside that time, whenever it is, uh, I don't know. Saturday mornings at 11 a.m., I'm always going to spend 15 minutes and I'm going to pick. I'm going to meditate or pick one of the practice Celtic practices that Mike has shown, and I'm going to do that. So no matter what, you're going to be doing investing time into your spirituality 15 minutes every week. Now, if you can do more, that's great. But no matter what, at least you've done your 15 minutes. And that's why it's so important just to set a minimal time and carve out a space for it. Hey, maybe after a while you've gotten, you've gotten so good at doing your minimal time of 15 minutes a week and say, okay, well, maybe I'm going to up, up it to a half an hour a week. But I'm concerned about you know doing something for half an hour block street. So make two days, 15 minutes and build it up to find your comfort spot. But the thing is, as long as you have that minimal time, that you know that you can definitely do it, that's what's going to make the world a difference for you. So once again, it's better to do 15 minutes a week consistently than doing zero minutes consistently. For me personally, I'm trying to do 15 minutes a day, five days a week. So at the very least, I'm getting some regular meditation in. Then there are all these Celtic practices to test out. You know, you may say, hey, Mike, didn't you say we need to do these Celtic practices consistently to reap any benefits? Yeah, I did say that. And I'm not doing what I should be. It's just not possible for everybody to do everything all the time. Not unless we somehow manage to get 10 hours in a day. And even then, I don't know. But since all the Celtic practices I have shared with you have similar similarities and, and, and matching qualities and the same hope for results. I try to do at least three of the various practices each week. So I'm not committing myself to every single practice every single day or anything like that. I'll just pick three other practices to do every week. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not. If I have more time, maybe I'll do more. But once again, no matter what I know, I've done my minimum. But I do think consistency of spirituality, Celtic or otherwise, does need to be practiced regularly. And that regularly, once again, doesn't mean daily. It just means at a regular interval so that you know you're going to actually do it. So I have really high hopes for positive impacts to anxiety and depression um, with these practices, and we'll see how it goes. So now moving on to step four of the seven steps to integrate spirituality into your life. Um, that step four is to 
sacralize daily activities. Or to put it another way, to make the daily activities in your life be sacred. Um, basically, don't just be spiritual when you're specifically doing spiritual work. You know, I find this similar to the Celtic practice of blessing each moment that we have previously, uh, you know, discussed and presented. Um, and the video on Celtic blessing each each moment can be uh, found up in the corner if you want to check that out. So, for me, while I might not make it sacred, I do bless numerous moments throughout the day to bring some additional spirituality into my everyday life. So, two recent examples. My, my dog had to go to the vet. No, don't worry, he's fine. He, he's a very uh, healthy golden doodle. Um, but when I got home, we spent some quality time together for a few minutes because he was riled up. And this is a moment I blessed and, and took notice of. I recognized that run-of-the-mill time as something special. Special to me and probably special to the dog, but I don't want to speak for him. That, that fact that we have such shared love and affection and that without thinking, I found our own way to communicate. You know, so once again, I want to put uh, barks in my dog's mouth, but that just made such a special moment, even though it was just so simple. Now it's just bringing a little extra spirituality into my day with um, a daily doggy cuddle. So another one, um, when I sat down on my computer um, to whip up an outline for this video, I wondered and marveled at the fact that my fingers, as if by magic, just floated over the keyboard and put my thoughts on the screen. Now, I know there's a lot more involved with it. There's muscle memory and neurons and connections and everything to allow me to do that. But it doesn't mean I can't wonder at the fact that it, it could be done. And bless that moment a little bit and, and, and sacralize that moment. And these two examples each took a couple of minutes at most. So this is kind of how I, I sacralize or make sacred some of my daily activities. And it's not planned. It just happens as I go. So Alaric, the author of the book, stresses the importance of developing your own unique way to sacralize or make sacred the activities in your own life. If you are enjoying this video, and want more light content like it, then please give a Celtic click to the subscribe button. And don't forget about the little bell to be sure you're notified when I post new content. So let's get to step five of the seven steps. And once again, we have another Saxon word. I am not sure how to pronounce and I couldn't find anything online. So please forgive me if I do mispronounce it, is to observe regular hustles or direct translation is sacrifices. And we're not talking about actual sacrifices, like people or animals or anything like that, but just formal offerings to whatever your God, spirit, or whatever your whatever it is out there for you. Um, just a formal, more formal recognition of spirituality than say a, daily, a quick daily spirituality session or sacralized daily activity. Alaric put it this way, which I thought was a, kind of a good way of putting it. Now, a daily devotional or spiritual session is like a text or a phone call. While Husserl is a more formal and personal meeting or gathering. 
Um, these should be observed at specific times and practiced at regular intervals to make it more of an instinctive behavior. Um, he also says that the, um, the time of observance that you do it should be at a time that's meaningful to your, in your meaningful to you in your spiritual ways. I think one of the examples he gave is that Wiccans might do something with the, um, the phases of the moon on, on, on whatever they may be and however they work it. But, you know, you don't have to follow somebody else's, but he's just saying, you know, he thinks it's good to have some sort of regular, more formal, more important um, time of spirituality for yourself. And he definitely stresses to customize it for yourself. You don't have to follow any ritual you find online or any place else. Like I'm doing the Obad um, uh, Bardic level with the order of a. Uh, with the order of uh, bards, ovates, and druids, and and they give rituals for the for holidays during the year. I don't have to follow them. I can take and use what I want, modify things. However, once again, it comes back to making it your spiritual practice, not somebody else's spiritual practice. And and similar when you make these hustles, these re these regular but more formal. Um, spiritual events or sacrifices or recognitions. You don't want to overdo it again. Be selective. It's, it's like other things. It's better to overpromise, better to underpromise and overperform. You know, maybe set something aside for once a quarter or twice a year, not for necessarily every month or every full moon or every new moon or both or whatever. Speaking of being selective, if you're still watching this video, you've selected to spend your time watching and listening to me, and I thank you for that. I'll be even more grateful if you would give a Celtic click to the thumbs up button to show me how much you like this video. So now we can move on to step six of the seven steps. And this step is called observe the holy ticks. And we're not talking about the the pests or whatever they call them that attack our dogs and attack us and give us Lyme disease. Um, I don't know exactly what, what it, how this relates, what the etymology of holy ticks is, but we'll let it go. And to do this, you need to make yourself a calendar of holy or spiritual days for you that are holy and spiritual to you. So many, many people many neo-pagans they follow what's called the wheel of the year and I've spoken about it in the past it is the eight holidays the solstices and the equinoxes for four and the halfway periods in between for another four in Celtic spirituality there will be Imbolc, Beltana, Lunasa and Samhain but Alarak says to make the calendar your own as long as you follow the consistency he even suggests adding in cultural and secular holidays to, to join with the spiritual ones. And I think this is a great idea. But once again, please don't overdo it. You don't want to bum yourself out by, by taking on too much and then not being able to do it. And I've fallen victim to this many times. 
doing different things and having unrealistic expectations. Um, so next step and the last one, and this is a step that I don't really think is possible, but for completeness, I do want to present it to you because maybe you'll have better luck with it and better ideas about it than I do. And step seven is find your folk. Basically, Alarok is asking us to find our tribe, the people who practice spirituality similar to us. And the way he says this happens is via chance. Basically running into somebody and, hey, yeah, we match up. Great. But the thing is, if each of us customize our spirituality to our own needs, then the chance of stumbling across a group of people or even one person with similar, similar spiritual beliefs becomes extremely unlikely. Now, there's more of a chance of finding people with whom we share maybe certain practices, but not a whole spiritual belief system. You know, and even then, I'm not sure how great that chance is or whether it's worth to pursue some sort of spiritual bond with other people or a person based upon, you know, some number of limited beliefs. So there you have it. Um, Mr. Alaric Albertson's seven-step program to bring spirituality into your life. I think there are some good ideas in what I have just presented to you to help you integrate Celtic practices um, into your life. You know, the ones I've presented over the last X many weeks. And this hopefully not meant to overwhelm you with integrating the spirituality into your life, but to actually show you how simple it can be integrated into your life to actually do try for yourself some of these Celtic practices that I've been teaching to hopefully have a positive impact on your anxiety and depression. And I can't stress enough how much this is customizable. You do it your way. These are just ideas and, and possibilities. Now, to spur your own creativity and your own imagination and your own ways of doing things. So I hope now, you know, I've given some sort of a better idea for you what to do with the Celtic practices I've presented. Because I'm not done yet. There's still more to come. So at the end of the day, once again, I apologize if I've overwhelmed you over the last several months. Because so the point of the practices that I presented for Celtic spirituality was to help provide relief to anxiety and depression, not to cause you more. That would be silly. So give it a shot. Let me know what you how it went for you, you know, how you integrated your your, your Celtic spirituality or spiritual practices into your life. People do it different ways. I'd love to hear what you do. You know, you never know what may how you can improve your own own spirituality practice. So until next time, thanks for watching.